from Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hey, hey, out there in Radio Land, what do you know? It is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics. Joining me as they do every episode to my left, ironically, he is the former Assistant Secretary of International Development for the trade. Tra- international trade for the Commerce Department. He is the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan, Justin. hello. And hey. down from Boca del Vista, he is the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy, the man we know as Admiral Ken Carradine. Hello, Ken. Hello. My hair is not blue yet. Uh, it's getting there. It's getting <laughs> there, dude. And your neck's getting a little redder every day. Just saying. Oh, he's not even responding to that. Also out there from the city that never sleeps, she is the former uh, attorney for the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016. She is now a uh, a very good and very active high-priced lawyer from the Wall Street community. She is Sharmila Sorry, Hi, Sharmila. Hi, guys. Uh, so, you, it, 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 you know what? I got to tell you something. It's so good to have you back in the fold. Thank you for coming back. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, that iPhone you're holding... Yeah, you might want to hold on to that a little longer because if you're thinking about buying a new one, it's going to be more expensive. Uh, and by the way, if you're thinking about going to Walmart and getting those deals, yeah, not so much. That, too, is going to be a little bit more expensive. Here's what's going on. We are, call it what you will, you can put sugar coating on this. You can bake it into an apple pie. It is still the same thing. It is safe to say that we are in a full-fledged trade war right now with China, and it is only getting worse. Uh, They announced uh, this week that uh, China was going to be raising tariffs on nearly $60 billion worth of U.S. goods, uh, which is going to raise prices about 20-25%. It is going to have an immediate impact, an immediate hit to uh, manufacturing, but particularly the agriculture industry, which has been taking a beating over the current sets of tariffs. Uh, the Chinese Ministry of Commerce said that the government deeply regrets it will have to take this necessary uh, countermeasures after Donald Trump threw the first salvage over the bow uh, by raising uh, by raising uh, tariffs on $200 billion worth of 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 uh, goods, it is it it is going to be. And oh, by the way, and then on top of that, once China came back with their retaliation, the Trump administration decided we're going to raise tariffs on just about anything coming in from China, and they went nuclear option on the tariffs. Um, it is not being well received. It is being the message coming out of the White House is being contradicted. Senior White House economic uh, advisor to the president, Larry Kudlow, was on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. And when Chris Wallace put him out there and said, hey, you know, the president's going out there telling everybody that, hey, uh, the Chinese are paying us the tariffs. We're making all kinds of money. And it's simply not true. It's simply incorrect. And the message coming out of the White House is incorrect. Larry Kudlow said, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say it. Larry Kudlow didn't say that. <laughs> but you know he thought it, though. Anyway, let, let, let's get down to brass tacks on this. Um, Sharmila, 
the the first salvo of of tariffs, which we've now been dealing with for a year almost, uh, set off the negotiations uh, with the Chinese between the Chinese government and our our uh, trade representative here in the U.S. Uh, Number one, we would have thought that that would have been enough to at least sit down, get everybody at the table, and let calmer heads prevail. That didn't happen. Does this surprise you? No, not at all. And I think the you know the primary driver, and Ellen may disagree with me, but the primary driver is that the president fundamentally doesn't understand how trade works or how tariffs work. And so when you have the person who is driving and setting the tone for the negotiations, having a fundamental misunderstanding of the calculations involved, you are never going to get far with a sit-down meeting, as well-reasoned as his advisors are going to be. And that, you know, if you think about it, is terrifying. Alan, will be terrified right now. Alan, Alan Moore, it, it, it does shock me. I mean, is it that simple? Is this a matter of the president does not understand the economics of foreign trade and that has put us at such a disadvantage right now? Well, so there's a question about what about putting us at such a disadvantage, what kind of a situation we're in. Let, let's look at a little history. Sharmal is absolutely right that it is terrifying to have a president who so grotesque, grotesquely misunderstands how trade works, how it works if you have a trade imbalance one country to another, how tariff, tariffs work, who pays tariffs. It's complicated. This president picks up pieces of information and he puts them together in his own strange brain and processes them and wants to come up with something that that is consistent with his preconceived ideas and that's fairly simple and straightforward. Unfortunately, this is really complicated. Now, Early on, you will remember that in order to try to help the 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 heavy the heavy steel equipment industry. steel industry in America, he he decided to impose steel tariffs and aluminum tariffs on European, Canadian, and Mexican partners, which made no sense at all. And and there's some calculations done that there has been a little bit of growth in the steel industry, and the estimated cost is almost a million dollars per job. And it, but it grows out of this president thinking, wait, if we can force people to make it here, who cares what it costs because it'll be American jobs? The people who buy steel care what it co- care what it costs because it means that 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 U.S. manufactured products like automobiles that use steel that has to, that has a higher cost means it's going to be a higher cost for automobiles for American consumers. So we started out and and he was trashing NAFTA, the North right. uh, North American Free Trade Agreement, in exaggerated and wrong ways. Renegotiated a deal with the Mexicans. The Canadians grudgingly joined. It's not that different from the old NAFTA, but but I, I, I'm mentioning this stuff because it's uh, it's the backdrop against which what he's trying to do with China has to be read, and it is it it is enormously complicated as a result. It complicates the whole situation with China. China was and continues to be a unique case. We have a massive trade deficit with China. Some of that works to our advantage. We get you go to Walmart and look where stuff is made. We have a lot of cheap but stuff I, that we cannot afford is, to make. I, it, it's one thing to have an electorate, Admiral Ken, that doesn't understand 
the basics of why am I paying $80 for a coffee table at Walmart, but to have a president that just hugely incompetent about how the process and how this actually works is another thing. We are literally on the verge of seeing, of we are literally uh, on the verge of taking this great economic numbers and this great economic path that we've gotten till till now and driving it right off a cliff, right out of Thelma and Louise style. So I guess a couple of things come to mind. One, so you know I. I think because of the, the nature of the office, we point the finger at the president and say, you know, how could he be this incompetent, so forth and so on. Um, I would really like to see what his advisors, what his trade advisors uh, are telling him. Are they pushing back? Um, are they telling him that this is a great, um, that this is a great strategy? More importantly, um, as we get closer to 2020, um, you know, the, the, the effects of this will not wear off in just a few days time. You know, even if, even if today he just say, you know what, holy cow, I'm going to pull a Trump and do a complete reversal and lift it, lift the, uh, lift the tariffs and fly us to Beijing and does the same kind of kumbaya with, uh, with, with, uh, uh, with the president of China, whose name just went out of my head, president he with, the, uh, with, um, with Kim, Kim Jong-un, um, I, I don't think that, that the effects of this are going to fall off anytime soon. And so the real question now becomes, so what's his story going to be to um, the, 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 his myriad of Trump supporters who, for lack of a better way of saying it, do a lot of their shopping at places like Walmart and Costco? Because those prices are going to be through the roof. They're already starting to go up now. They're already starting to go up now. I know this because last week I popped inside one. And I uh, looked at the prices on TVs because we were thinking about buying one. So, it, you know, it's 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 insane. And I, I really want to understand. I really want to know those two those two uh, those two things. Admiral Ken, I don't know which is more surprising: the fact that that you had a great take on international trade right now, or the fact that you went into a Walmart to go shopping in South Florida. That's oh, now, sure. you're, now you're becoming a stereotype. I, I, I'm I'm a man of the people, brother. You're becoming always a stereotype. I'm a man of the people. Always have been. I never forget my roots. Disappointed, Admiral Ken. Uh, Alan Moore, yeah. you got to take. Yeah. So what I was trying to say, and I'm sorry, it was taking a while. The, the foundation on which he 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 started dealing with China was full of mistakes and miscalculations, and he turned off. Our logical allies, the Europeans and some of the Asian countries, he walked away from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was a great chance for us and Asian countries to work together on a new trade deal that would that would have us working together in many ways against the Chinese. Now, he, he walked away from that. Lots of Democrats applauded that. Hillary Clinton walked away from that. I mean, here's the problem with the president's proposals, even though we can argue whether he does or does not understand uh, how trade works, and there's a lot of evidence that he does not. He is doing things that <laughs> that a lot of Democrats are, are, are applauding. Uh, Chuck Schumer said, yeah, hit him with more tariffs. Bernie Sanders said, you need bigger tariffs. I mean, it it, it is just a bizarre situation. But China is 
unique. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Much as we've screwed up our relations with so many others, China steals intellectual property from America, and it and it has successfully persuaded us to sell secrets and, and co-produce things. There are more Cadillacs so, uh, sold today in China than in the U.S. We think, whoa, wow, great for Detroit. Well, Detroit makes most of the parts. They're all fabricated by 50,000 GM employees in China. There's all this interconnectivity, but when we're trying to revise and make up for for mistakes of the last 20, 25 years dealing with intellectual property, we don't have that many levers. And that's why we're using uh, these tariffs. I wish the president president understood how it worked, but it's what, what the president is trying to do, even in his ignorance, is apply leverage via these tariffs. But what leverage? Believe me, there is significant leverage on the Chinese when tariffs are imposed because we don't buy as much. It's not that everybody buys the same stuff. There's there's something in in the world of economics called price elasticity. If you increase the price of a product by 25%, people don't consume the same amount they used to. They buy less. The Chinese need to sell us everything they can. When what Larry Kudlow said, President's economic advisor on Sunday was, yeah, both sides pay, and that's the fact. And it, depending on the product, it, if, if, but, if, but if hold it, on. The, 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 the American consumer okay. may pay all the full but, 25%, or it, like, like the Chinese, they put a big tariff on soybeans. The Chinese stop buying American soybeans and buy more Brazilian soybeans because there's no tariff on the Brazilian. Right. Every product has a different but that impact. Puts, that puts the lives of the people that put... Donald Trump into office. I've said this time and time again. The tariffs are nailing the people who put him into office to the wall financially. Well, <laughs> I mean, we're losing family farms on a daily basis right now at a higher rate than we did four years ago because of tariffs and imposed by the Trump administration. When when you're trying to make up in a short period of time mistakes in our relationship with China that have taken you know a generation to exist, it's really complicated and what you need is a president who's in a in a position to educate with facts rather than making stuff up. What he wants to do now, as you may know, he wants to take the tariff revenue, which is not inconsiderable. There's no revenue. No, no, no. There is revenue. That's the U.S. government that collects tariffs oh, okay. on these products in the thirty to forty billion oh, okay, dollar range. Okay. Oh. He wants to take that money <laughs> and do another bailout of farmers. It, it just isn't that simple. At least he's aware that he's got a problem in in the agriculture sector, uh, but but it's delicate. But, it's it, it, it requires caution. I don't know where we're going to end up here. These talks are going on. I don't think that six months from now we're going to be staring at 25% tariffs. I think— Oh, the come chi- on. You really don't believe that? No, not at all. Because wow. Because the Chinese— the Chinese don't want the, they, they want this less than we do. Justin. Oh, I, they want it less than we do. They ship us something on the order of five hundred and fifty billion dollars a year. Do you have 
any idea what that translates to in terms of the importance to their economy of the U.S. market. They desperately want, they, they don't want to give up these, but, but this, here's the, the, here's cheating, the, problem. the but cheating he, that they've no, done. Right, but, but here's the problem that they have is, is what they're seeing now, and, and Sharmila, check my math on this, is they're starting to see the great economic power that was the United States all of a sudden losing traction with their allies in Europe, their allies here continentally in Canada, Mexico. China then swoops in and says, hey, you don't need no stinking United States. I'll be your trading partner. I'll give you better deals. And screw Washington. Now we've created our, now we basically cut off our nose to spite our face and China's left, we were already seeing it on the continent in Asia, the deals that they're making with Australia, the deals that they're making with Japan, and the deals that they're making with Vladimir Putin in Russia. Well, I think what you said, Justin, feeds into the larger criticism of Donald Trump that he is ceding U.S. supremacy in the world and you know allowing China to step into this vacuum that he's created by backing off from all these multilateral agreements that we've entered into and by sort of, you know, picking fights with our allies when we need them more than ever. You know, I think that you're right that China saw kind of, you know, Donald Trump is waging this multi-pronged trade war against not just them, but against Mexico, against Canada, against Europe, right, against these very reliable trading partners that we've always kind of had, you know, both economic and geopolitical interests, our interests have always been aligned. And now, you know, as, as the president has sort of, you know, made it clear that America's interests might no longer lie with kind of, you know, supporting, supporting these traditional allies. China has come in and said, seen both that, you know, A, the U.S. has much less leverage to actually negotiate, you know, a trade deal with them. And, you know, that's right for China to get more favorable terms. And B, there is now a void that China can step into and say, hey, yes, you know, we are a massively growing market and we need to trade with you. And so, you know, if the U.S. is brushing you off, if the U.S. is trying to stiff you, come, yes, come see, come see us in Beijing. We can, let, we can let, let, before we get all carried away and say we're, we're carried away. Yes, yes, Justin, really? carried away. I'm trying to be careful instead of using the adjectives that come to mind about about the the scenario you just described, um, and trying to be to be to be reasoned and, and, and calm here. The rest of the world desperately wants to trade with the United States. We are far and away the largest market. We are what everybody wants to trade with. We have Wait, done some before, self-inflicted right, hold, hold damage. Let me ask this question. No. Let me ask no, this one question, the, you, you, keep, you, 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 you keep interrupting me. You say this crazy-ass stuff. It's not crazy-ass yes, stuff. Yes, How Justin, is that crazy? Yes. How is Justin, that crazy? When you're trying to say that we're driving Europe into the hands of the Chinese, it's nonsense. The, the, How is that they, nonsense? They don't make what the Europeans need from us, and they don't have the market that we provide to the Europeans. Now, we... That that's no excuse for self-inflicted wounds with us and our relationship with our historical allies. We've we've done some damage with Canada and Mexico. We've mostly 
patched that up. And if we can get this new trade agreement resolved, which Republicans are saying only if you get rid of these tariffs on the Mexicans and the Canadians. And the Democrats are saying, no, we kind of like your tariffs. Trade, I mean, we got this bizarre trade with our po- allies. Business. In, trade it with our allies in the, Australia and New Zealand have dropped and increased with China over the past three and a half years. You they, know, they, I mean, it's, the, it's they my, are making deals. It's, of course they're making deals. They were going to make deals anyway. The Chinese have a whole massive Africa investment scheme, and, and which is a whole and, other topic. Well, they've got they've they've got a lot of money. They're worrying about their energy future. They're worrying about their markets. They've got tensions with the U.S. and they got tensions with the Europeans. They didn't just steal intellectual property from America. They they they're stealing it from the Europeans as well. Which is why it's so ridiculous that we're not working closely with with our historical allies with with the Chinese. But nonetheless. Everybody desperately needs us. The Chinese don't have what 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 these other countries want that to replace us. Having said that, why even have these extra tensions? Why do this side damage when we could be working together with regard to the bad behavior of the Chinese? We're kind of going it alone. We're using you know a hammer uh, when it, in in a sledgehammer, if you will, when we should be using a you know a carving knife to 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 get at some of what's going on. But the but the conversation are very serious, very high level. The, the the Chinese two weeks ago went back, wanted to renegotiate some stuff that that had been resolved and and agreed to. to you know, sort of it, it nothing's agreed to till everything. But we were about ninety five percent of the way, and they came back and said, actually, we're not going to be able to change our laws like we said they were going to do. And the and the U.S. strategic decision from inside the White House. They did a lousy job explaining it, but the notion was we need to show how serious we are. We got to ramp this up. Well, you turn this president on with that notion and he's going to not only ramp it up, but he's going to explain it in ways that are not factual. He's going to drive it off the cliff. Well, I don't know, drive it off the cliff. I mean, the, 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 the thing is there are ways to increase the tariffs higher because uh, what what appears to be shifting position, he just does everything with with this sledgehammer and creates all this confusion, right. and then the market responds. And, and, it's down two per, two and a half percent two days Admiral, ago, and it's up one percent today. Admiral Ken, let me just ask you: Does does the awkward position that the the Chinese and U.S. trade negotiations that have come out the way they have? What is the effect on possible national security interests globally if we can't get this fixed? Well, um, well, I think the first thing we have to realize is that Alan's absolutely right that the the rest of the world still wants to trade with us. Um, organizations like the U.S. Navy, um, uh, you know, we we're, we were around just to make sure that there's always going to be freedom of the seas to conduct trade. Um, I think in the scenario that you you have described, um, that might be less for us to do because China is going to take their business elsewhere. I tend to agree with Alan that that's not going to be the scenario. Um, I think that um, that that trade in and of itself, both legal and illegal, uh, you know, is going to take place. And and I think the Chinese have been in the business of you know of, of supporting people that weren't necessarily their allies before. 
uh, in your scenario, Justin, if they if they they take their business elsewhere, there'll be a lot more for us to do with regard to uh, monitoring and, and combating possible uh, threats. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think quite frankly, from a national security perspective, everybody right now is looking at looking at Iran and uh, what we're doing in the Middle East again, and hoping that we're not going to you know get ourselves back into a uh, a uh, a prolonged conflict with a nation that looks nothing like anybody we've fought over there yet. Charlotte, you're up there in, in the financial district. You're up there in Wall Street. What, what's Wall Street's take? I mean, we saw this. We, we can judge by how the stock market goes, but that's a very basic litmus test. What's your impression that that the financial sector is taking on this whole trade war thing? Is this got them as nervous as it sounds? I mean, yeah, and I actually don't think – I think the stock market is a pretty accurate measure, right? You see that certain industries, which are going to get hit harder at the beginning, you know, like agriculture and more technological goods, they're like semiconductors and chips, right? Those stocks have taken harder hits today than, you know, than other goods that may be affected further down the line. Um, I think that, you know, there is a sense of nervousness here and, you know, again, kind of combining – the volatility of this trade situation with a volatile president, you hear a lot more talk about um, that this really could tip us into a recession. And obviously, that's not a word that Wall Street responds well to. So I think that the, the sort of cautious optimism of a few months ago has dissipated pretty quickly. And now you're going to see people being a lot more cautious and kind of being more reactive to politics versus proactive that I, that I think they were acting, you know, for the last few, few months. Uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, obviously, this is something that we're going to be watching over the next couple of weeks, and we'll be updating on Twitter, on Facebook, and, and on Instagram. Follow us on social media. Hey, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the, uh, the wag the dog scenario or history repeating itself. The latest uptick in hostility or tension in the Middle East, particularly with Iran. This is the best political talk show you never heard of. It is Backroom Politics. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us.
Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And it is the best political talk show you've never heard of. Uh, Second segment of our broadcast. Uh, Joining me on studio is Alan Moore. We got Eric Thomas, our producer, Rob the Engineer behind the glass, Admiral Ken down in Boca del Vista, and apparently uh, Cheryl had a jump. I'll show the fun. Hey, uh, in case you don't know, uh, Defense Department, courtesy of uh, Acting Secretary and Secretary of Defense nominee Shan, uh, put the uh, Abraham Lincoln Aircraft Carrier Group into the Persian Gulf. As a show of force, thumping of chests, saber rattling towards Iran, <clears throat> Central Command also sent entire bomber squadron over to air bases strategically placed around the Persian Gulf, and uh, and now the re- and now the rhetoric starts. Uh, apparently, over the weekend there was uh, four Emirati ships, oil tankers that were targeted in the uh, Persian Gulf, the U.S. is saying that Iran was likely behind the ship attacks, and that is now started a whole war of words between Tehran and Washington. Um, this, this is something that could quickly get out of hand and quickly escalate if cooler heads don't prevail. Uh, Admiral Ken, how... I mean, I can see a little show of force, uh, you know, maybe a destroyer squadron, maybe, you know, a wing of fighters, but to put an entire aircraft area group, an entire Central Command bomber strike team in the region, is is, is this threat real or are we just o- jumping overboard as far so, as show of force? So- Let's back up a little bit here and talk very briefly about how we got here. So the the uh, the U.S. declared the Republican Guard as uh, as uh, terrorist, terrorist organization, a terrorist organization, and then and then the Iranians uh, in in kind declared uh, all U.S. troops in uh, in the in the uh, the Persian Gulf as, as terrorist organization and uh, as a terrorist organization and and de- declared their intent to you know to address uh, their their threat. So, ostensibly, you know, the the plan was to put uh, those those aforementioned forces uh, that you described into the area as a deterrent, uh, because there was some there was some limited intel that suggested that um, the uh, the Iranians were going to deploy uh, missile batteries on boats, which would make them difficult to uh, to address from anything else but a uh, a ship based uh, ship based uh, platform. So that's that's how we got here. Now, in the intervening days and weeks since the first days since the the, the first announcement that we were going to put uh, the carrier battle group and the uh, the bomber wing in place, some things have happened. Uh, case in point, uh, um, the 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 tampering with uh, some oilers. Could this get out of hand? Yeah. So one, nobody dislikes each other more than the Iranians and the Saudis. Uh, if for some reason there seems to be credible that, that there appeared to be credible evidence that that the Iranians have done something to the Saudis, then uh, I think there would probably be very little uh, hesitation on the part of the U.S. to act in their defense. Unquote. 
and um, and then that that would start something. But I mean, so, I mean, is 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 this legit? I mean, is this justified, or are we are we playing with fire on this one? Well, I mean, so we we've got we've got some 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 agreements with the Saudis, and we're you know I mean whenever you know we look at possible use of military force to support an ally. You know, the question always gets asked, are we playing with fire here or not? And the answer is, well, yeah, probably. Uh, and the real question is, so one, uh, have have what, what kind of planning has gone into this? You know, so far, we've not seen a lot of detail-level planning from the Trump administration in anything, anything at all. And so uh, if, if I were an officer in command of one of those platforms, the first question that I would be asking for is, what is my ROE? What are my rules of engagement here? Um, you know, do I have to take the first punch? If I see something, if I see something belligerent, can I act uh, in defense of the, of the threatened party or myself? Uh, what, what are the rules of engagement? But more importantly, uh, from, a, from a strategic perspective, what is the, the point here? What is the goal? Uh, is it truly a, a, a wag the dog kind of situation? Or, or do we legitimately think that there are U.S. interests at play uh, that, are, that are threatened here. Now, since the U.S. doesn't import nearly as much oil as it used to from that region, uh, given that we pretty much, if, if we want it to be self-sufficient uh, and, uh, and turn a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to, to Saudi oil, then there's an argument to be made that we really don't have to be as trigger-happy as we might have been back in the 80s when we were very dependent on, uh, on foreign oil. So the real question is, I think, you know, what is what is the big what is the big game here? There's been a lot of noise about the fact that John Bolton uh, really has a high level of animus toward uh, toward Iran, right? And and that and that the president uh, is being is being led down the primrose path by uh, by John Bolton. But is... um, uh, you know what? And, and given the fact that we've got a Secretary of Defense who does not have a strategic um, uh, policy perspective or background uh, on, on on the use in, of of force, um, you know I, I'm 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 concerned that quite frankly the only cool head in the room might be Mike Pompeo, and um, I'm not entirely sure if 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 that's something he's really paying a lot of attention is, to right is, now. Is this a is this being driven by John Bolton? Do you think, Eleanor? Well. Hard, hard to know, and, and as Ken, I think, very accurately pointed out, there, you know, there are things we know, and then there's a lot we don't know. And what we don't know is what other intelligence we have about what the Iranians' uh, intentions are. Um, we are led to believe that we know something about their intentions and that that they are that they are dangerous. Um, but we don't we we don't know. This is a pretty big response. There's no big no small matter. And Ken could go and could really explain how big a deal it is to move a carrier group around. Um, uh, not to mention a a, 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 a bomber, bomber squadron. Force. So so I I, I guess. I, I don't have a lot of confidence, needless to say, in in uh, in this president and the process he goes through. On the one hand, on the other hand, I, I guess part of me is sort of hopeful that there's we're not just doing this because it's, somebody decided this would be a great way to get under the skin of of the Iranians. 
it is well known that John Bolton has always been a, a, a hawk on Iran. And I noticed that uh, just today, a spokesperson for the Iranian leader uh, was taking a page out of sort of America's book or even our president's book in, in a tweet said, gee, I hope the president isn't just listening to the mustache on this. <laughs> reference to Bolton, I thought, yeah, classy. That's what we want. You wow. Know, that, 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 but, but, but having said that, talk about, it's, it's talk about, super serious uh, business. And yes, Pompeo would just, you know, he was on his way to, 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 to Russia and he, he diverted to, uh, to a, a European country to, to meet with other foreign ministers and, and talk about Iran. He's very engaged here. And 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 yet, I don't know who the president's listening to. I don't know what the, what the but, intelligence is. I don't know what the the you know other senior Pentagon voices right. are saying, and 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 so on. It, to, it's scary stuff. It's big Admiral time Ken, serious stuff. Let me go to Admiral Ken. Uh, as Alan pointed out, uh, Secretary of State Pompeo went on a kind of an emergency diversion over to Europe to go talk with his counterparts in the in uh, our EU allies. Uh, does if Mike Pompeo shows up, does he have any credibility? And and are the are they going to follow us down this rabbit hole a third time? I, I don't know. I, I I think so much has been seeded away in the last three years um, by you know some of the aforementioned antics that we talked about in the last segment. Um, you know the president. Um, you know, not very long ago, announced a, a massive troop withdrawal literally days after coming into an agreement uh, with the other allies in the area that were they were prosecuting ISIS. Um, I, I don't I don't know that there's much left much trust left in the bank uh, with their allies uh, these days with with this president. I think, quite frankly, it remains to be seen. Um, and, and I hopefully, hopefully the, that there there will not be a test of that. Um, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, I mean, we, we used to have a very, very close relationship with with the Brits and with the Spaniards and with the French. Um, but boy, I tell you, you know, they they are they are they're chafing uh, these days, and they're just not happy with what they're seeing over here. I, I mean, Alan Moore, I'm going to pose the same question to you. I mean, do do we have the credibility to bring them down this path? with uh, France, Germany, who have been down this road with us before. Well, as, as Ken so so accurately described, um, we don't have the credibility we once have. We don't have the credibility we should have. But we still have credibility. We're still important. They can't ignore what we have to say. They just don't believe it the way they used to. And they don't have the kind of confidence in it that they used to and that they could have and should have but don't have because of the way we've behaved. So, But at, at the same time, they don't have any other place to go. They can talk to each other, but even they are having their own major challenges these days with, with England and Brexit. Um, and so they they the they are more prepared to act among themselves than they used to be, partly out of desperate need. If you couldn't rely on America like you used to be able to, to then what do we do? Gosh, folks, we might have to step up and 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 do some more. But they're they're not going to ignore us. We are still the defense presence around the world. And as as Ken says, although we don't ex, we don't buy uh, oil from Saudi Arabia, our allies do. And what and 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 it's in America's interest 
powerful, strong economic and security interest that that international oil uh, uh, business is not horribly disrupted. Because even if even if we have our own oil, if we if it doesn't help us if Europe suddenly has massive shortages um, because of some kind of conflict in the Gulf. So. We have a big role. They know we have a big role. It drives them crazy that we have that big role because it means they have to be dependent on us and our erratic and often ignorant um, leader who's so prone to just speak it off the top of his head. But, but here, here's my here's my concern, Admiral Ken, is, you know, John Bolton is not an idiot. I mean, John Bolton is an educated guy. He's well-informed. He, he's, he's about as good as an expert. I don't agree with his take. I don't agree with his strategy. But this is not a dumb guy. Uh, I mean, are we? Is is this literally the guy who is wagging the tail right now? And can we afford to have John Bolton be calling the shots on something this sensitive? So agreed that John Bolton is is a very very smart guy and has you know has 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 found himself working in two administrations back to, almost back-to-back, Republican administrations back-to-back, uh, uh, in, in roles of uh, legitimate... Um, Significant uh, international exposure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, to say that he is not like any other human uh, that is driven, quite frankly, by idiom in, in uh, or, or I, I, his ideals and his prejudice, you know, would would basically say that he's above all that, and I don't believe any of us any of us are. Um, I do think that um, you know one of the things that that made President Trump uh, a fan of John Bolton was John Bolton's appearance on Fox News, and in 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 his defense or his prosecution that is of what Iran was doing and and why they were doing it and why we should drop out of the Iran nuclear deal and why it didn't serve us. So. This 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 um, animus that that John Bolton has had for Iran uh, is no secret to anyone that that's ever listened to him, and um, and the president who likes to be tough and seem tough, especially against an enemy that he does not believe to be a credible threat, would be you know for lack of a better way of putting it, honor bound to listen to somebody like John Bolton. So yeah, I think this is dangerous. Uh, I think this is this is Bolton's strategy. And uh, I think it remains to be seen how far the president and or and his advisors, guys like Mike Pompeo, Mike Pompeo, gonna gonna let this go before they step in and try to find some way to back away from this. You know, he's in his he's in over his skis with this with this trade war with China. Right. Uh, my hope is that we don't get into the same kind of situation where we're in a hot war with Iran. Right. Because now- these guys, these guys, <laughs> unlike Iraq, unlike ISIS, these guys have got a credible military force that. Um, you know, we can beat them. Don't get me wrong. We can beat them, but it's going to hurt. Alan Moore. Yeah, I, I, I agree uh, with with Ken here. And I, I think, though, that w- w- in response to your question is, is, is Bolton calling the shots? I think we've learned enough about this president to know that rarely, rarely does a staff member call the shots. We know that 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 staff members have a lot of influence on a particular issue from time to time. Stephen Miller on immigration, his daughter on certain issues, um, Bolton on some of um, on, on some of these issues. The national security, but ultimately, it's the president 
the thing I worry about is not so much that there's a John Bolton in the room, but the thing I worry about is that there are so few other grown-ups in the room that you worry that if he doesn't hear the, the, the breadth of voice that a president needs to hear, then one voice that that is talking in a way that 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 is consistent with the president's preconceived notions can have more influence than than we would like. I don't know that that's the case. It may well be the case here. I I, I wish there were a cadre of people in in cabinet positions, sub cabinet positions, and senior White House positions that that had knowledge, outreach, perspective. And and the confidence of the president. Unfortunately, he has he 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 has not shown loyalty to his people. He has not been able to attract the top people. Some of the the, the better people he's had, he's driven off. So, the fewer the voices that you hear, the fewer the perspectives, and the easier it is in the moment to get caught up with a particular point of view. And that that's my concern about. Bolton, the role of Bolton, and and then this particular president. But you know, we we sh- shouldn't we be hearing more from the intelligence community, and and we haven't in this in this. No, we don't need to hear from him. He needs to hear from them. Well, I, I guess I guess when you say this, it, the impression I get from talking to people in the administration is he will go to his trusted advisors. He does not look at. The director of central intelligence and the director of national intelligence as trusted inside circle friends, which is why Bolton having as much power and stroke that he does, should that scare the American public? So it, it, it's certainly a, a, a totally legitimate question to ask. I just I just think there's there are things we do not know. You know, we know that Pompeo was at CIA, that he was able to figure out how to gained the confidence of the president in regular briefings, and then he he got the plum job. As Secretary of State, you're traveling the world. You're dealing with other international leaders. You're not able to have the luxury of of going every day and talking to the president. Is Pompeo the voice of the CIA at in the president's year? Probably uh, uh, it's not it, Gina Haspel. It, it Maybe it's unlikely. Well, it, it, it so the, 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 the there's a bunch of unknowns here. We don't know whether he has to rely on the summaries that he gets from John Bolton about where the CIA stands, where the NSA stands, where the for that matter, where the the the, the where, well, where Dan Coates, who oversees intelligence, where but it's director of national intelligence. We, I would think, just to get the American electorate on the same page, I mean, we've seen other administrations. Obama did it very well. I would argue even that, that George W. Bush did it very well, is using their director of central intelligence or director of national intelligence as a, uh, almost as a surrogate to get the feeling of, look, we're looking at this, we're dealing with it, everybody's in consultation, cooler heads will prevail. It just seems that there's not that kind of gravitas between Dan Coates, Gina... There hasn't been that kind of organization in this White House ever, Justin. Think about it. No, no, that's, I, that, that's, that's what I'm saying, though, is, is that this is the first time where we haven't seen 
you know, even just the, the comforting pictures of Gina Haspel and Dan Coates walking into the West Wing to do the briefing. This is not this this is not a president or or a West Wing that wants to deal with it. He wants to get it from either Mike Pompeo. He's going to get it from he's going to get it from uh, from the mustache. I, I mean, the, the reality is is that as as long as Bolton is the per has the ear of the president the way he does, my fear is is that he's making strategic decisions, maybe or maybe not be uneducated, but he's making decisions, possibly drowning out the voice of Dan Coates and Gina Haspel, who are the two people I would think would be adults in the room going, hey, we've been down this road before. This is a slippery slope. Don't get caught up. I mean, we, we talked in an earlier podcast about George W. Bush going down that slippery slope. As much as history and as much as I would love to see history re-look at the presidency of George W. Bush and look at him as a Harry Truman type, he's still always going to have the invasion of Iraq as a cloud hanging over his presidency. And I can defend it all day long as, hey, it was a president that dealt with actionable intelligence given to him not by just our intelligence community, but the intelligence community of our allies. I am not confident that we've got decisions being made by a president who is hearing from not just us, but our allied intelligence communities. And I think that's why Mike Pompeo's in Europe right now having to do, you know, at least put his finger in the dike. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, as, you know, there's there's a couple of other people who we have not mentioned in in the inner circle, um, and we don't know about them. I'm not. That's not to say, oh yeah, thank God we have them. But we have Mike Pence, who is in regular contact with the president, and his people are in regular contact. And we have, and he has a national security advisor of his own. And then we and and we have chief of staff, acting chief of staff, uh, Mick Mulvaney, who who sees everything, who touches everything. Now, having said that. He doesn't have the time or the 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 background and expertise to be an expert here. On the one hand, on the other hand, you can bet that he's talking to some of these folks and some of his old friends in the Congress who say you need to talk to so and so. You need to talk to so and so. He's very selective, but we don't. It believe me, it doesn't give me any great confidence to to say here. You know, maybe Pence, maybe Mulvaney. I don't know how but, involved they are, but they but, 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 but they both care enormously it, about avoiding big mistakes. In a situation like this, in a situation this sensitive, I would think optics are key right now. Right now, the optics that we're that this administration is putting out are optics of a a the Abraham Lincoln carrier group in the middle in the Persian Gulf and an entire squadron of bombers sent by central command in the region right now what we don't have are the optics that say you know we are looking at all angles again it may they may be pence and you know pence and Mick Mulvaney may be talking to some of those folks at CIA and DNI. What I don't what I don't see is a comforting optic being put out by this administration that says they're part of the discussion. 
I can't I can't show me one instance where there has been anything that says that the IC is directly in contact involved at the head at the adult table talking about this. You know, it's really it, it, it's actually this is an interesting subject that that we're talking about because one of the things that Ronald Reagan was really good at thanks to the people around him, was optics. Yeah. So he had Mike Deaver, who was always thinking, you know, we want to do the right thing. We want people to feel confident that we're doing the right thing. So it's a different piece than doing the right thing, right? And We were comfortable invading Grenada because of optics of there was a reason why. Well, no, and I'm thinking about in this administration where you don't have a director of communications, you, you've, you've, you've ripped through people, you've got no trust in Sarah Saunders, you've got no trust in Kellyanne Conway, um, the people who were kind of around the periphery of some of this image creation stuff, and yet this president could, be, could benefit just from the optics of a situation room photo where he's sitting down and he's got with, coats and has with, right with with some of with some of his people exactly and even if he's not listening even if he's not going to read the briefing book even if he's not going to ask questions you know there's some I, some benefit to making people feel like I, hey maybe he knows what he's doing here or at least listening to people who know what they're doing admiral ken most famous picture coming out of the night that uh uh, Osama bin Laden was taken out. Isn't the photographs from uh, from from uh, uh, Pakistan? It's that picture of everybody around the table in the White House, in the White House Situation Room. room. Yeah, the Situation yeah, Room yeah, picture. Yeah. That's all we yeah. need. That's all yeah. we're asking for. Absolutely crazy. No, it's it's interesting uh, that how 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 vacant they are. How there's this vacuum in some of the stuff that could. It could provide a little bit of of psychological comfort to people who, it, it, to those who are paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, even that, if it's garbage, it, it, even yeah. if it's a garbage. Even if he's visual. coming in saying, "Hey, you still have a job. Go turn around and drive back to Langley." Uh, I'm, Ken- sure, I'm sure. I'm sure. There's some piece of it that uh, you know Obama did that. We're, we're not going to do that. What? Well, oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. All I know <laughs> is that, all I know is it's not happening, and I don't get a warm and fuzzy. Uh, when I don't have confidence that the IC is in direct talks when they're making, I mean, look, all due respect to our, our acting secretary of defense, not a bad guy, a really good guy, a smart guy, a smart businessman, a good head of a defense contractor. I don't know if I want him as my secretary of defense. Uh, I want people that have been there, done that, and gotten the T-shirt, sent the postcards, and went home. You know, here's another thought on this issue of of the of the optics of things, and one of the problems that this administration has. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Alan. I'm sorry. I got. Please pardon the interruption. Justin, not at all. Not at the, all. The, the, Fair the, point. The only Secretary of State that fits that bill. I was talking about like, Secretary right? of Defense. Our Secretary I'm sorry, of Defense. I'm only, sec- I'm only Secretary of Defense that fit that bill in the last. Um, I can't remember how far back um, was was James Mattis. Uh, oh, I disagree. Other, each, I no, disagree. Each of, each of the other secretaries of defense that preceded him, very few of them were combat veterans that understood things uh, from the perspective that you just described. Uh, That's all. Nah, well, they, look, look I, you, you can be— Ken is you, right. No, 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 Justin, no, 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 don't, no. don't go down this I, hole because you're going to lose. Why am I going to lose? Why because am I he's lose? got the facts. Uh, uh, what, wait, what facts does he have? That was an he, opinion. That was not an opinion. That was a no, no. That was but, a description no, no, of the but you factual mean to tell me, question wait, of no, 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 no. what All right, you know what? We're gonna, I'm going to extend this. Combat. I'm going to put this down. No, Owen. I'm going to put this down. Here's Owen. the thing: is Owen. I am not. I am not going to sit here 
and sit there and say that because unless you were in combat, unless you were in an active war theater, you don't have the experience to make the policy judgments to be the Secretary of Defense. I I, I completely I, I disagree with I, I that. Agree. I, I agree. I agree with that statement, Justin. All I'm saying is just how you described it previously. Uh, I was just making a point how you described it previously, and you can get Rob the engineer to play it back if you want. I'm just saying just because of how you described it previously, there's been only one Secretary of Defense uh, in our lifetime that had that been there, done that, and, think on and it, I and would, that was Madison. And I would tell you that just because they weren't in the theater, they could have been in the war room. We're agreeing, Justin. All right, just saying. All right, that's fine. Anyway, with that, we got to go. I got I to gotta vacate this thing. Uh, special thanks to producer Eric Thomas, Rob the Engineer behind the glass, keeping us honest. Uh, Alan Moore, Admiral Ken down in Boca Vista. Thanks a lot, Charmel Achari, for joining us. Always a good discussion. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. You can go get all of the uh, historical documents at our website, backroompolitics.org. And we'll be back for the best political talk show you've never heard of. Have a great week, America. Bye-bye.